there, listeners. Welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Predator from 1987. Directed by John McTiernan, written by Jim and John Thomas, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Jesse Ventura, Bill Duke, Sonny Landham, and Kevin Peter Hall. Uh, In this film, a special ops military crew is sent on a mission into the jungle to rescue a foreign minister from guerrillas, but they soon find out that the real enemy is something unlike anything they've ever encountered. Actually, I think it's a foreign cabinet. I don't know. Somebody important. Uh, If you're new to the show, we're going to just discuss some spoiler-free info on the movie, background info and stuff like that for the first 15 or 20 minutes here, but then when you hear our musical interlude, that means we're headed into spoiler territory. So if you're a weirdo like me and haven't seen this movie yet, then that would be the time to duck out. And that's why we chose this, because I revealed that I haven't seen it and have been given shit for it. So I'm checking it (laughs) off my list. Oh man, that that made me so happy <laughs> to have uh, the attention on you. People calling you out for not seeing something. <laughs> it's like, yes, finally. <laughs> uh, man, I I loved the response uh, that we got on that one. Yeah, yeah, everyone really, really uh, called me out and demanded that I see this very quickly. So I put aside some of your requests and I watched this. Yeah, yeah, you felt the pressure. I did. And, you know, I've felt it for decades now. Oh, you know, that's so weird. I, I never would have guessed you hadn't seen this film. I, I, I don't know if that, we've never, like, talked about it before or something. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird that I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know we've, like, talked about it at Holes in the Past, and uh, I just feel like you never mentioned you hadn't seen Predator. But, um, yeah, it was good, good to know. I'm glad we got to get, go through this together. Yeah, I guess I never really thought of it as a horror movie, and we can discuss... Um, its horrorness as we go um so i I didn't typically bring it up as a holes because i have a lot of other movie holes Um, yeah so i just lumped it in with all my general movie holes not with my horror movie holes 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 (laughs) so many holes um but yeah this is an action sci-fi we'll probably debate a bit whether or not it's horror or maybe we'll just both agree with each other quickly um and this is by john mctiernan who you might recognize from directing Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, Last Action Hero, Die Hard with a Vengeance, The Thomas Crown Affair. Um, the writers Jim and John Thomas haven't done much, but they did this and Predator 2 and Wild Wild West, among some other films. And this, um, I believe, was his first studio film, wasn't it? McTiernan's? Yeah. I think so, yeah. That's amazing, especially like that, that filmography you mentioned. I feel like a lot of those are pretty big classics. For sure, yeah, they are. Die Hard was a year later in 88, and then he kept them coming. Right, right. This movie had a budget of 15 to 18 million and made 98.3 at the box office. In today's dollars, that'd be like 226 million. Wow. And uh, it was number 10 that year at the U.S. box office. That's awesome. Pretty big. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, huge deal. I was I was trying to figure out if this was like Arnold Schwarzenegger's breakout role, but I know like he did Terminator before this and Conan the Barbarian. But you compare the the box office numbers and this one, I'm pretty sure like surpassed those. So I I don't know if this had a bigger impact on introducing him to mainstream uh, uh, media. Did Did you not grow up watching Arnold Schwarzenegger movies? I did. I did. I just I haven't seen as many like '80s action as some other kids did. Um, yeah. Partially because like I didn't have a big brother or anything and I wasn't really allowed to watch stuff like this for a little while until uh, I was at other people's houses. Yeah, yeah. They, or I think in, like makes... when and unless I was at other people's houses. And then by the time I got a bit older I was kinda past <laughs> these movies had already been out for like years and years. Yeah, they'd kind of aged out already. Yeah. Although I say that, but I've seen Die Hard a ton and I love that movie. It was just a right. year later, so Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. This um, is kinda yeah. next level though. It's very gory. It actually is, yeah, really gory. It's so it's so different than Die Hard. Uh, but I, I totally hear. I, th- I think the only reason I, I saw a lot of these films growing up is because I had that older brother who was like introducing me to Arnold Schwarzenegger and all his films. Like I, I don't know, I was, I was a huge fan of that guy back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't be? Boy, yeah. he is a muscular man. He really is, isn't he? I was also surprised at how muscular Carl Weathers is. I know. I had no idea. Yeah, he was very ripped, and he. Uh, 
he had played Apollo Creed in Rocky 1 through 4. And I also didn't really realize it was him in Happy Gilmore. Oh, he was the golf coach? Yeah, yep. Oh, I didn't realize that either. And he, of course, plays himself in Arrested Development. Yeah, that's where I mostly know him from. <laughs> yeah. <Development. laughs> that's crazy. I love, uh, yeah, speaking of how big uh, he is, isn't there a scene like where they're doing like a handshake and it's kind of like an arm wrestle handshake or something? <laughs> yeah. It's just like muscles on muscles. Two like biceps glistening in the light. <laughs> we should, you and I should try to recreate that scene. I think it would look a little different. <laughs> we should definitely take that photo when next we meet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just rub a bunch of oil on our biceps. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're... You're uh, stealing some of the jokes I had planned for this one. <laughs> oh, man. All right, all right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll stay out of the joke territory for a bit. No, no. That's 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 all I really had was oil on <laughs> oil on biceps. <laughs> there was a lot of that in this film, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone was real oiled up adequately. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there, there was like a lot of KY on set, right? So it wasn't the blood of the predator, like KY mixed with like that stuff that comes out of glow sticks. Yeah, right? Yeah. Boy, I bet that was cancer-inducing. <laughs> yeah, probably. Um, it's got an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics, 87% from users. Apparently, it was a little bit more... Um, had a bit more mixed reviews at the time of its release and has since become more acclaimed as the decades have gone on. Mm, that makes sense. It, of course, started a franchise, Predator in 87, Predator 2 in 1990... Predators in 2010 and The Predator in 2018. There's a TBD movie called Skulls um, that I think is supposed to be the second in what's hopefully a trilogy from 2018's The Predator. Hmm. Okay. Hopefully, depending on how you felt about that movie, I obviously haven't seen any of these, nor have I seen the Alien vs. Predator franchise, which is only two movies, Alien vs. Predator in 2004 and Aliens vs. Predator Requiem in 2007. Wow. You've yeah. seen those, right? Uh, I think I've seen one of those at least. I feel like you've seen the bulk of the Aliens franchise, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. I feel like I've yeah. followed it. Um, you, you haven't seen any of the follow-up stuff? Uh, I've seen Aliens, and I think I saw Alien 3 once when I was young. Oh, okay. Got it. Um, hey, uh, so you'd never seen like the face of the Predator until this film? I've seen it in like clips and... So I've, I'd seen a good chunk of this stuff in clips and gifs and stuff like that, but I've never seen the film. Oh, okay, okay. Did you see yeah, that I, tidbit that there was supposedly a joke in Hollywood that after Rocky Four, Rocky had run out of earthly opponents <laughs> and then he would have to fight an alien next? Yeah, and this is something about like E.T. being his next uh, villain or something. Yeah, and Jim and John Thomas kind of based the script on that joke. Right, right. That's That's cool. <laughs> Yeah. I like when things come out come out of a, a joke. For sure. Um, Jesse Ventura was also in this making this movie, a movie where two future governors star in it between Jesse Ventura and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, I forgot that guy was governor. Who was he the governor of? California? Minnesota, my new oh. home state. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And he was, uh, is he the guy with the cowboy hat in this film? Yes. Okay. It was easy to get these guys mixed up. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was just a, a lot of uh, uh, muscles, all in, like combat gear and stuff. Um, yep. But I feel like he had like the nerd, the guy. He had the one who could like kind of sense or, or like smell things or something. Right. Uh, yeah, I liked. I liked those two guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you see that the predator was originally John Claude Van Damme, but he didn't Dude. look imposing enough next to Arnold and Carl. That, I had no idea. That's hilarious, and it sounds like they wanted John Claude Van Damme to like do his like karate kind of stuff. Yeah. Which uh, that, can you imagine how different that would have been? It would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which I, I think in the eighties you had a lot of films like that, right? Like uh, movies where like you had the strong guy like fighting like a guy who's like really good at like martial arts or something. And so I feel like they they were trying to with John Claude Van Damme maybe playing to that angle. But, right, um, right. I, it worked better this way with uh, Kevin Peter Hall, who's seven foot two. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's awesome. He was also Harry and Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, cool! I didn't realize that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, he sadly died maybe like four years after this movie. He had gotten to a blood or a car accident a few years earlier and got HIV from a 
blood transfusion oh that he God. needed after the car accident. Yeah. And then after that, it went downhill. Yeah, yeah. He died from complications of HIV, so pretty big Damn. bummer. Yeah, yeah. That's rough. Did you yeah. see who uh, voiced the Predator? Um, No, who did? Uh, this guy named Peter Cullen, and I, I thought he sounded familiar. Does that name uh, ring any bells for you? No, it doesn't. Uh, you ever watch the cartoon Transformers back in like the 80s? Oh, maybe a little bit. Transformers were never my thing. Oh, they're, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I feel like I, I was kind of on the younger side for it, but I've gone back and seen some, and uh, he was the voice of Optimus Prime, and in like the old Winnie the Pooh series, he uh, was Eeyore. So I think he had a pretty distinct voice. Uh, wow. Which, it's, it's interesting that they had him uh, play the voice of the Predator, which, I mean, the Predator, what, like says one thing in this whole film? Yeah, I mean, mostly he's echoing what the other guys say, right? Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Oh. So, yeah, I, I was surprised to see his name attached to that. I would like the Predator with just straight up the voice of E.R. E.R. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he should have just been literally down on everything. Like down on himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd be incredible. Uh, so this was filmed in Mexico. It sounds like it was a pretty unpleasant shoot. Oh, man, yeah. It sounded rough. Yeah, tough terrain, muddy and cold the whole time. I think everyone got diarrhea at some point. Yep, yeah, very true. And apparently yeah. the Predator suit was a pretty big uh, bitch to wear. And I think that was part of why Jean-Claude was replaced. He really complained a lot about the suit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he didn't like the suit, and then he didn't like that like he would be kind of buried under, like you wouldn't be able to see his face the whole time. Yeah, yeah, but. I get the impression he's... Not that fun to work with, but I might be making that up. <laughs> no, I get, I get the same feeling here. Yeah. Um, the suit, the Predator suit, was designed by Stan Winston, who's an Academy Award-winning special effects makeup artist who's worked on dozens and dozens of films, including Aliens, Terminator 2, and Jurassic Park, and he won Oscars for all of those. Did he win an Oscar for this one? He did not. This one won an, was nominated... As an for an Oscar for visual effects, I believe. Oh, okay, okay. I can't remember if it won or not. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember either. I've got that note somewhere, but now I can't remember where. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean his work. Uh, I mean, like the, in those films and and this one, like the the way the Predator looks, uh, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's really cool. I love the appearance. Yeah, very, very uh, iconic and like uh, yeah, I feel like he knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, and apparently it was James Cameron who suggested to him that it should have mandibles. Oh, really? I wow. think he was like sketching out ideas while sitting next to James Cameron on a plane. Yeah. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Man- mandibles. Those are the the things uh, in front of its mouth, like the yeah. the claws. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, like man. An that, ant. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 face, uh, like, I feel like that scared me a lot when I was a kid. Uh, it's it pretty very... scary. Would you say, do you feel like it's scarier than Alien? Um, huh. You know, I think the face is equally scary as Alien, but the body being very human makes the whole creature less scary than a xenomorph to me. Yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah, the body uh, does kind of take away from it. And, like, the body most of the time, like, it's in this armored suit, too. Yeah, right, right. Makes it a little yeah. less scary, and it's got weapons. Right. Which blew <laughs> my mind. I never knew the Predator had weapons. Oh, man, yeah. It's got, like, lasers, bombs, all that kind of stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. This was a joy for me, for my first time, to make these discoveries. <laughs> um, I thought it was really cool how the invisibility effect was achieved. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to read it straight from Wikipedia, because I thought this was a good explanation. So it says the invisibility effect was achieved by having someone wearing a bright red suit because it was the farthest opposite to the green of the jungle and the blue of the sky. Uh, And the red was removed with chroma key techniques, leaving an empty area. Then the take was repeated without the actors using a 30% wider lens on the camera. And when the two takes were combined optically, the jungle from the second take filled in the empty area. And because the second take was filmed with a wider lens a vague outline of the alien could be seen with the background scenery bending around its shape. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
I think it was so, basically part- you were seeing what was behind it with a different type of lens on, so it mm. just looked distorted. So that gave it like the the blurry kind of look that it had. Yeah. Yep. Okay. That is, that is really cool, isn't it? That the, the the way they did that. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, I love reading about effects that were done like pre digital editing because you had to be kind of like scrappy and creative. It seems. Yeah. So you put someone in a red suit and then you digitally like say cut the color right out of this. Yeah. Yep. It's kind of like a green sc- green screen type thing. Got it. Okay. Okay. Yeah, um, but yeah, I don't yeah. think it was digitally. I'm not totally sure how that works. Okay, that was, that was really cool. And it's cool to like. I feel like watching it now, and uh, you know, what we're are we forty years? Uh, no, not quite forty years, but thirty some years out. Um, that uh, it, I don't know. Did you feel like it held up the the graphics? Um, some of the invisibility looked a little bit not great, but I think most of it held up. What did you think? I thought so too, and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of thought, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's no like Invisible Man uh, today, or like I'm sure, like today, if you saw a new Predator movie, it'd be a lot different. But I thought for its time, it looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, go oh, ahead. Did you re- did you read about like the thermal vision, which is like the other effect that they used? I did read about that. Remind me. Um, I think they couldn't just use uh, normal thermal vision because that wouldn't pick up like their range of like you know your body temperatures. So they use something called Inframetrics, uh, which is like a thermal video scanner um, because it gives you good heat and images around people. The only reason I wrote it down is I, I recently saw a really funny clip on Instagram. Have you ever seen someone fart uh, through a thermal, <laughs> uh, like a, a thermal video? Uh, I don't think I have. Uh, I gotta send you this video, man. <laughs> just like this, cl- I can't tell if it was fake, but just like this, like uh, cloud pops up like behind their butt. It's it's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, I could watch that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> that would have been funny if that's how uh, the predator caught someone because they fought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, if you get scared and nervous, stuff comes out of your body. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you can be leaking that stuff. <laughs> um, any other background info, movie, info that you want to hit on this before I move into the Ohio connection? No, I think you hit everything I had. All right. As always, our Ohio connection comes from Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio. If you're in the area, pop on in there for a beer or some food. They've got a great patio, and they're also on Uber Eats. Alex says, Predator is the first installment in the iconic sci-fi action film series. The success of this film spawned an entire franchise, including more films, novels, toys, and comic books. This version was directed by longtime action director John McTiernan of Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, and The Thomas Crown Affair. The film was scored by acclaimed composer Alan Silvestri, whose credits include the Back to the Future films, Forrest Gump, The Polar Express, and many films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This includes 2012's Marvel's The Avengers, which was principally shot in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Nice. Yeah, thanks, Alex. That was a good one. Yeah. That was a great score. Uh, what, in Predator? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I don't remember the score that well. Um, oh, man. You should... Uh, it's even fun to just listen to on, like, Spotify or whatever. Oh, uh, okay. I'll go back and check it out. Um, I felt like there were a lot of, like, kind of military drums going on in the background. Uh, yeah, that... there were there were some of those, for sure. Okay, cool. But then, like, imagine some more or- orchestral kind of stuff? Yeah, like, yeah, some strings and, like... Synthy 80s type stuff too oh cool yeah I'll check that out it's a strange setting because like you're in the middle of this jungle so it, it doesn't seem like 80s synth stuff would work but it did huh it did it worked okay cool yeah uh, okay man um, well let's uh, head into the plot we'll hit the spoilers so if you haven't seen the movie now's the time to duck out and uh, correct that like I corrected it 30 some years later <laughs> and uh, But before we do that, Ashwin, can you hold on for a quick second? We had some family in town this weekend, and they're leaving now, so I just have to go say goodbye. Oh, sure. All right. All right. I'll be right back.
Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, you say goodbye? Yeah, I did. I'm sorry it took so long. One of my wife's cousins, as we went to shake hands goodbye, he just started arm wrestling me in midair, so... <laughs> we kind of just were locked in the throes of that for a while. <laughs> Good old-fashioned <laughs> arm wrestle goodbye. <laughs> midair arm wrestle. Yeah. How do you do it in midair? I just feel like uh, you don't have, like, the support. Like, don't you need to put your arm on something? Well, you got to have the leg muscles of Carl Weathers or Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, God, it's a leg muscle and core strength. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should post a photo at when next we meet of the arm wrestle bicep to bicep. And then Mm -hmm. for our Patreons, we'll post a video of us actually trying to do it and just like falling over. (laughs) That sounds good. That sounds good. (laughs) And then we'll do thermal vision for top tier Patreon supporters so they can see the fart come out of your butt. (laughs) The farting while we're wrestling. (laughs) (laughs) As you strain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. We're going all out predator on this one. Yeah. It's good. All right. Well, the first shot of this movie is a spacecraft Uh, flying through space and shooting another smaller spacecraft into Earth's atmosphere. And after that, we cut to see a helicopter arriving at a military operation, we're on Earth now, uh, where Dutch, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, is asked if his special ops team can perform a mission to rescue a foreign cabinet minister from some guerrilla insurgents in the jungle of what I believe was an unspecified country, This is shot in Mm -hmm. Mexico, so I assume it was something in Central America. I think so. Dutch is told that his old pal Dylan, played by Carl Weathers, is going to join him. And they're old friends, but Dutch typically insists that his team work alone. So this creates some tension that they're going to be forced to have Dylan join them. And I think maybe they're hinting that Dutch thinks Dylan sold out in a way by going to work for the CIA. Oh, yeah, sure. They are apparently old buddies from the Vietnam War, which I didn't gather in the movie, but that's yeah. what it said on Wikipedia. One's, one's, one's been promoted and the other one's still doing kind of like the field work. Yeah, yeah, that's maybe the vibe I got with some tension there. Sure. And there's some character building dialogue for both of them. Dylan asks, like, hey, why'd you pass on that job in Libya? Which we don't really know anything about, but Dutch says we're a rescue team, not assassins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get a little bit of development and know a little bit what Dutch is about just from this quick exchange. And so, uh, yeah, I, th- I I had a question here where I asked Ashwin what he thinks of the biceps on these dudes, but I think we already <laughs> talked about that. <laughs> they were good, man. I, I wonder how many push-ups these guys do. Must oh, my gosh. It's like otherworldly muscular, right? It like yeah. doesn't even look right. Yeah, it's, it's got to be uh, some kind of steroid to get this level, right? I think Arnold did do some steroids, but don't don't quote me on that. Okay, okay. Um, so yeah, anyway, their team, consists, consisting of six dudes normally, but now we've got seven because Dylan is tagging along. They land in the jungle, they're dropped from helicopters, and they discover the wreckage of another helicopter of a prior team and discover three skinned bodies hanging from the trees and one is bearing the dog tags of someone the Dutch knows. They finally reach the enemy camp and kill all of the guerrillas, um, but Dutch gets suspicious when he notices Russian operatives there as well. And he finds out from Dylan that it was really an intelligence reconnaissance mission, and Dylan essentially used Dutch and his team for work that they typically don't do. um, Because they typically exclusively do rescue missions. I think the dialogue there was Dylan said, you're an expendable asset and I used you to get the job done. And Arnold says, my men are not expendable and I don't do this kind of work. So they're Mm -hmm. still going down that path of the character development there where Arnold's character, Dutch, really kind of stands by his moral compass and uh, Dylan's maybe just kind of fall into the, I don't know, Hold logistics of war, maybe. I guess, yeah, more of a corporate guy. Um, I I wasn't I didn't understand this part one hundred percent. So there wasn't a cabinet member that they were trying to save, but there was like some intelligence that they're trying to gather. Yeah, the cabinet man member did not exist. It was just okay. all the un, a guys to get Arnold's crew in there because they're the best of the best. And the only way they would go in there is if they thought they were rescuing somebody. And what was it actually that they're trying to get? 
I don't know what intelligence specifically they were trying to get. They either didn't say or I missed that. Okay. Yeah. I think the important thing was that he was uh, kind of backstabbed. Yeah, yeah, kind of, uh, yeah, betrayed by uh, his confidant. And so, yeah, yeah, I feel like that kind of created a, a good tension there between him and these. They, I, I like that, that tension between these two characters and, like, how they're very different people and coming at it from two different angles. Yeah, yep. Did you see how many guys were thrown up in the air from explosions <laughs> in this scene? <laughs> oh, I thought half of them were the hostages being thrown up. <laughs> right, I was like, like, how did they know where the cabinet guy is? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they went in like guns blazing, like uh, grenades everywhere and stuff. Uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. Uh, ty- typical like 80s action scene though, right? Yeah, yep. And I was like... 10 to 15 of uh, nearly the same shot of dudes getting blown off of explosion. But I saw one modern day reviewer who interpreted this movie as a satire of action movies. Oh, interesting. Yeah, we'll talk more about that soon, but uh, it makes a lot of sense. And we'll we'll get to another big example soon. Interesting. That would have been pretty woke. Yeah. And uh, we get some memorable lines during this sequence as well, like, Arnold pins a guy to a wall with a throwing knife and says, stick around. He blasts a wall down and says, knock, knock. And then Jesse Ventura says, I ain't got time to bleed. Oh, yeah. And then the nerdy character goes, oh, okay. (laughs) All right. What do you Uh, think of the whole cast of characters so far, aside from just um, Dutch and Dylan? Uh, you know, I, I don't think they did a great job of building them out. The whole banter on the helicopter ride on the way in, I thought was kind of like wasted uh, scene when, when like it could have been a much better conversation. Uh, they each just have a kind of one lines here or there. And I, I get they're trying to stereotype each uh, get, get character into like, oh, this is the, the guy with the glasses. This is the guy uh, who tells like random uh, jokes about women's uh, anatomy and stuff. But um, there wasn't much like a uh, character building here, right? Um, no, I kind of agree with you. They were mostly just kind of one-note characters, which there were yeah. six of them, so I think it was okay. Mm-hmm. They went a little bit deeper on, uh, oh, what's his name? Mac? Oh, yeah, Mac, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, li- I like this character. Yeah, so we'll get to him soon. Um, I thought hey, did him you... and, uh, Billy, the, like, tracker guy were the most intriguing to me. Sure, yeah. Of the side yeah. characters. I agree. I, I feel like they got a little more time than the other ones, too. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that action scene and that attack on the compound might have gone on too long? Yeah, but I think it was intentional as part of the satire. Okay. Um, among the gorillas, there is a woman whom they take hostage, and as they're headed back through the jungle to their pickup point, it becomes clear to them that there's something lurking in the woods. It's already been made clear to us, the viewer... Um, we've seen periodic cuts to the thermal vision up in the trees looking down on the characters. And that's kind of a, if we're discussing whether or not this horror is horror or not, that's kind of a staple of slasher movies, don't you think, Ashwin? Like, totally. The, the killer's perspective. Yeah, like slasher vision. It's kind of kind of like Michael uh, in Halloween and stuff. And even Friday the 13th, they do that, I think. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah that, that part felt very like on par with slasher films. Yeah, I think this is very much a slasher movie in its structure in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree. Um, Anna tries to run away, this this woman they've taken hostage, and one of the guys, Hawkins, chases her down, so they're separated from the group, and uh, this unseen enemy grabs Hawkins and drags him away. Anna witnesses this and is scared as hell, and she explains to the guys, like, it's the jungle that came to life and took him. And here's our first shot, I believe, of the invisibility with his hand, the predator's hand grabbing Hawkins. And Mm -hmm. what did you think? I know we talked about the effects in general, but what did you think of it this first time you see it with the hand on the screen? Uh, it's, I thought it was a little bit jarring. Like, uh, it's, 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 it looks really kind of weird, I guess. Uh, especially like in motion. Yeah. That uh, was the worst it looked in the whole movie, I think. Oh, this scene here when he's taking Hawkins. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. It is jarring. Like, it looks better, like, in the landscape, in the distance, but, like, to have the hand pop on screen. Yeah. It's kind of like, what am I even looking at? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I feel the same. Okay. It's, it's, it's pretty sci-fi in here. Yeah. 
Um, the group at Dutch's command splits out into a uh, some sort of spread to find Hawkins' gory remains, and, but in the search, Blaine gets killed, and we realize the Predator can shoot lasers. Um, <laughs> Mac, who was played by Jesse Ventura, or no, Blaine was played by Jesse Ventura, and uh, Mac, who was close with Blaine, like they were good friends, he shoots up the entire forest in a rage once he gets a brief look at the Predator. Um, and shoots at him as he's fleeing, and the other guys join join him. They're all lined up next to him, shooting into an empty forest for a really long time, like <laughs> a deliberately over-the-top amount of time, it seems. Um, yeah, just yeah. empty in every clip they have. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently McTiernan himself said this scene was meant to quietly ridicule the desire to see pictures of guns firing. The oh. whole point was the impotence of all the guns, which was just exactly the opposite of what I believed I was being hired to sell. Wow, interesting. I had no idea I was going into a satire, and I had no idea that I watched a satire until after reading up on this. I know, that's like kind of hard to believe, because this feels like so spot on with everything, every other movie from this era, so it's, I don't know, like, do you think they should have leaned into it even harder so people would like actually notice it was a satire? You know, I don't... I think that's like kind of the key to its success, right? And what makes it so subversive. Like, yeah, I'm selling you this big, loud action movie and you're going to love it because it's really big and loud, but I'm also kind of making fun of it. Right, right. Um, yeah, it kind of works I, on both levels. Yeah, and I don't have a quote from the director himself saying like, yes, this whole movie is a satire, but um, maybe that exists. I don't know if it does or not, but there is an article written by William Bibiani on IGN called Predator is the Most Subversive Action Movie of the 1980s. Mm -hmm. And I would recommend anyone uh, to read that, anyone who likes this movie. It was pretty interesting. He made a very compelling argument. Oh, that's really cool. I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that dude writes for Bloody Disgusting a lot, so that name might sound familiar to some people. William Bibiani. Okay, okay cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a really interesting perspective. Yeah. I've never, never heard of uh, Predator in that uh, sense. Yeah, I'm interested okay. to watch it again with that in mind. Right, right. Hey, um, one one really cool uh, quote. Uh, I, I don't know. Did you mention that uh, the the hostage that they have when they ask her what happened, she says like the the jungle attacked. Yeah, I did. The, I mentioned that, but she says something else that's kind of cool, right? Yeah, uh, something about a devil or something. Yeah, I keep. Oh, that that story about like places I don't know where they went. Yeah, I yeah. I forget, but I, I like that description of like when the predator, predator is invisible, even though it looks like really goofy, but like that kind of, uh, the description that like, it was like the jungle coming alive. Like I, I thought that was like pretty, a pretty freaky and cool, like way to describe it. Yeah. And at one point she tells them like the Spanish name they have for it and translate it as like the demon who like takes men for trophies or something like that. Oh yeah. Demon right. who makes trophies of men. Right. Yeah. That was another good, uh, dialogue piece there. Yeah, and uh, the teams. There's another good quote too, where they. So in that scene where Max shooting like crazy, he does wound the predator a little bit, and we see some of the green luminescent blood, which later leads Arnold Schwarzenegger to quote, "If it bleeds, we can kill it." Yeah, <laughs> I like that logic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the team is trying to figure out what this thing could be. Dylan insists that it's two to three gorillas stalking them. They haven't actually seen this blood yet. Um, but Billy, the tracker of the group, insists that they're being hunted by something that isn't a man. Uh, the other guys don't really know what to believe, but they'll trust Billy over Dylan any day. Dylan's pretty on the outs with this crew so far because he's duped them all. Mm. Um, so they try to set a trap for the creature, but it doesn't work. And Mac, Dylan, Poncho, and Billy are killed in the aftermath. Uh, Dylan's death here is especially notable, Carl Weathers, because his severed arm continues to fire his weapon <laughs> even after it's dropped to the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's, I like that. That was really cool. What, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun. And yeah. Just another example of how this is a really gore, gory movie. Like There's blood and guts everywhere and severed limbs. Yeah. Yeah, and when it when uh, the Mac is killed, like his head basically explodes. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty uh, violent stuff. Um, I I love uh, Dylan here with like the two machine guns, uh, and he comes like blazing with those. Yep. Yeah. Good luck. 
Yeah, it was almost like a Dutch when he threw him that second machine gun, knew his arm was going to fall off. Yeah, <laughs> he knew what he was doing there. <laughs> uh, do you think the Predator came across that arm and was like, still plenty of meat on that bone? Oh, I think so. Is it clear that the Predator is eating these humans? No, I was just trying to make a get a good stew going joke from Carl Weathers' character in Arrested Development. <laughs> Oh, yeah. There's still good meat on that. Are you going to do anything with that bone? Take, take it home, stew. throw it in a pot, add some broth. <laughs> Baby, you got a stew going. <laughs> uh, I forgot about it. those jokes. That was good. <laughs> but yeah, I had to imagine that's another example of satire, the over-the-topness of his arm falling off and still shooting the gun as it lies yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think you're right. Um. So all this happens, but Dutch is wounded but manages to flee and retreat with Anna but he sends her away and refuses to let her pick up a gun because he believes the creature won't hunt someone who is unarmed because there's no sport in it they've kind of gradually learned like from Anna the trophies of men type thing that they believe that this thing is just hunting them for sport Mm -hmm. Um, Dutch continues to flee he falls into a river gets covered with mud and has a close encounter with the creature but it doesn't notice him and he realizes he can use the mud for camouflage because the thermal vision doesn't pick up his body heat if he's covered in mud, as long as he doesn't fart. <laughs> the alternate ending was him farting and getting murdered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, that, that, that's a big uh, thing to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so we've now run out of daylight. It's nighttime, and we get a montage of Dutch assembling various traps and weapons to use against the creature. I think he's lost all of his like traditional weapons in the whole river waterfall plunge. So he's just got his like wits and uh, skill kind of uh, handiness, MacGyverness about him as his only weapon. Um, he, he builds a fire in the middle of the woods, which I thought is probably not what you want to do if you're fighting like a heat, someone who like uh, has heat vision. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. Um, I yeah. think his goal is to eventually call for it to get its attention but yeah the fire sure. was a risk yeah seems, seems a little premature yeah um in the confrontation he's able to disable the creature's cloaking device and we get a really good look at the creature top to bottom for the first time and all his gear and armor and all that what did you think of the appearance of this thing uh is this with the mask on yeah first we'll yeah. be mask on yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought mask on it looked really cool. Not not very scary, but just like pretty like badass, like cool looking, like more like kind of like a a neat like alien warrior type thing. But what, what did you think? Yeah, I agree. Badass is the right word. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately wishing to fight on equal terms, like the hunter sportsman that it is, the creature ditches its equipment and its mask, and we see the mandibles, which we've already talked about, looked pretty good and kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, this this one gave me nightmares. Yeah, and he proceeds to fight Dutch in hand-to-hand combat, and he's kicking Dutch's ass pretty much. And when it seems like all hope is lost, Dutch triggers a trap that drops a giant rock on the creature, gravely injuring it. And Dutch is about to crush its head with a rock, but then he kind of marvels at it, and he drops the rock and asks, what the hell are you? And the creature asks the same question back. It kind of like has the ability to like repeat what other people mm-hmm. say. Right. Um, and then, did, did you oh, get did you get vibes here? Like, there's some like deep metaphor in this film. Uh, like Eeyore vibes from his voice. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, what like the hell they, is anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I read about that afterwards. Like, like what are you? And like, what are you? I I read it. They were both like impressed with each other. Oh, interesting. But what were your I, go on go on with your metaphor vibes? I, I thought they were drawing a parallel between this guy who's like, uh, you know, uh, works for like the special armed force or whatever, and he goes around like thinking he's rescuing stuff, uh, but he's facing off with this predator. But like, is it a commentary on how like, uh, you know, humans can be predators in like these types of environments? And so they're kind of like realizing maybe that they're very similar in uh, who they are. And so like that, that question's kind of repeated back to him. And because I, I feel like this whole scene is kind of like a battle of uh, it's like a one on one type of thing where they're trying to outsmart each other. And maybe this was a point where they're kind of recognizing that they're not so different. But I, I don't know if, if that's uh, getting too deep into it. No, I don't think that's getting too deep at all. And I think some of what uh, 
William Bibiani touched on in that article too is that he Arnold like kind of thought he was going in here on a rescue mission but at the end of the day he was basically just an assassin like exactly yeah whereas other movies of this action vein are kind of glorizing violence for violence sake like this yeah. wasn't what Dutch wanted and he ended up really being in a horrible position and becoming a murderer essentially right uh, for something he didn't believe in yeah like this false sense of like heroicism or, or heroism where uh, he, he thinks he's like saving the day or something but like the reality of it is like you're a cold-blooded murderer maybe right you just killed a whole bunch of people yeah yeah under right. and, and, basically at the direction of someone else who hired you to do it exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. So I. So you think that was intentional? Like that? This was kind of like a philosophical question here. Where like, who are you, or what the hell are you? I think it may have been too. And I also wonder how much the script was written to be a uh, satire, or how much like maybe McTiernan read the script and saw the potential for the satire in there with the like moral compasses of Dylan and Dutch, and added mm-hmm. some of the like over the top explosions, gunfire into infinity, and right stuff like that to it. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be pretty pretty smart if that's what he did. Yeah. Um, anyway, after the creature asks that same question back, he triggers a, triggers a self destruction device and starts cackling. And Dutch realizes what's about to happen, sprints away from the explosion, and he's safe. He's rescued by the guy who hired him for the job, coming in on a helicopter. And Anna is in the plane with him. And the plane is piloted, or not the plane, the helicopter, is piloted by an unmasked Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't realize that. That's awesome. And then he looks at the camera and his eyes turn yellow like at the end of the Thriller video. (laughs) Gotcha. And that same laugh plays again. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man, that would have been the best ending. Yeah. Uh, hey, what do you think that conversation was like when the helicopter found uh, Anna? Um, how, how did she explain like who she was? That uh, she had just you know Arnold Schwarzenegger was back there in the woods somewhere. Like uh, they, they wouldn't have like shot her down or something. Um, I don't know. Good question. I think maybe she like got to a place that was supposed to be a pickup point. Hmm. Okay. Maybe they wouldn't and, just blanket like shoot an unarmed woman. Sure. Sure. All right. Well, yeah, no, I'm glad she made it out. Yeah. Uh, so, what did you think of this movie? Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I'd see this, and so I was worried that it, it wasn't going to hold up. But uh, overall, like, I, I thought it's still like a, a really good and effective movie. Uh, I mean, we talked about how the characters maybe aren't that great, but um, it, it being an '80s action flick, uh, I you know you can't expect too much out of it. But uh, I really liked. Uh, I think my favorite part of this is the uh, dynamic between the predator and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and their two characters is kind of facing off trying to outsmart one another. I just love when a, a movie kind of does that like cat and mouse type thing where there's almost like this banter of like violence and, and uh, attacks going on between them. So I, I thought that still kind of held up and I, I like the idea that maybe they were speaking to some parallels between this creature that you don't know too much about and, and like how it's like terrorizing people in these woods and uh, maybe like the special, uh, this group of like, you know, military dudes who are out there like on a special mission. Um, So I I thought there was like kind of a layer there of of commentary, which I I liked a lot. So yeah, I thought it was really fun and and pretty effective and good scares. And I think to your point, it is like a really like a slasher uh, going on in the woods. Um, So I I liked it. What what did you think? Nice. So would you consider it a horror movie? I would, man. I, you know, after after the slashers you and I have been watching, uh, I, I think this holds true. It's, you see, you're seeing the killer vision. It's taking out people one by one. You have this group of people. There's even a scene where like someone's like stabbing someone, and uh, they've got like a knife like that's going up and down. So I, I do think this is a slasher. What, what do you think? I think so too. Like he takes them down one by one. There's a gory mess left behind. It's certainly violent and gory. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, Dutch kind of serves as like. A final girl like yeah an incredibly masculine ripped final girl who's like the epitome of manliness but he's kind of a satire on that and like the guns and the muscle turn out to be useless and he has to outwit the villain which is typically how a final girl does it exactly yeah i like that a lot that's really cool i think it's it's very horror-esque in its structure but it's got the tone and the machismo of an action movie Sure. But I think by it being a satire, it kind of flips the script and turns the action into a horror. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's I think it's safe to call it a horror movie. Yeah, I think you're right. I you know uh, if people feel like Alien and Aliens that franchise uh, is horror, then I, how would you argue against this one? Just because like maybe they're they're more guns or more like explosions? Yeah, I think is it's it... just because it's got all the trappings of an action movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, but I, I don't know, like, plot-wise, it feels so similar. Like, you're stuck in this kind of confined area trying to escape from, like, this alien presence. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I do feel like there are a lot of parallels, but, yeah, I guess you're right. Plot yeah, I agree. There are a lot of parallels. And you're really, you're in a wide open space in the jungle, but it's a thick, dense, claustrophobic jungle that they are unfamiliar with and struggle to navigate. Yeah. Did you did you feel that uh, they captured the the scenery and the setting well? And like, did you feel that scare of of like the space they were in? I think so. Yeah. How okay. about you? Uh, I was, you know, I, I don't. I, I guess I always wondered, like, why didn't they just like dig a hole in the ground and hide? Um, <laughs> is, that, is that not what you're supposed to see when you're being attacked by something in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> One day I'm gonna just be hiking through the woods and see you standing down in a hole. <laughs> Yeah, hey man, you can't thought see I heard me. Something, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I I don't know. Like I mean, obviously, like uh, other movies where like you're trapped in a small space uh, feels a lot more scary versus like I I don't know. Like I yeah, my mind doesn't jump to like this tropical forest uh, being a very scary setting. Um, but you, you thought it was effective. Uh, I think so. You're always scared of the woods, but not the jungle. Not the jungle. Yeah, it's really weird. I'll, I'll draw a differentiation there. Like the the woods are very scary, and especially like when it's like dead leaves and stuff, and uh, and dry wood. Like a midwestern forest scares me, but a tropical jungle not so much. Have you ever been yeah. to a tropical jungle? I haven't. It just seems like it'd be really humid. How can you be scared in that kind of humidity? Well, we'll talk after you've been to one, and I I think you'll change your tone. All right. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess you're right. I, I'm sure the the uh, like a, a lot more scarier types of uh, bugs and stuff, right? Yeah, man. I mean, everything's bigger and scarier and more deadly. And yeah, the thickness of it all is is scary because it's just like miles and miles of denseness. Oh, sure, sure. And like the humidity is scary. It's just everything feels so thick. Interesting. Wow. Have you you've been in one? Uh, we went to the Amazon for a weekend. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty rad. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's an interesting destination. Um, uh, but yeah, man, yeah, I was... I liked this movie. I was blown away by the creature itself, like, just being this alien hunter with all sorts of technology at its disposal. I, right. Somehow in the decades that I've had a general awareness of Predator, I never really knew that about the creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was really interesting about it being a hunter and wanting to have some sport. Right. And the characters... I actually thought the acting was pretty good for this kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And even though some of the side characters weren't very well fleshed out, I liked the interpersonal conflict that we've talked about between Dylan and Dutch. Sure. And they even yeah, gave I'd- Max some development too when he like is mourning the loss of Blaine and the death of Blaine. Sure. Like right. he mourns that loss a lot more than we see any character get mourned in a lot of slasher movies. I was surprised by that. I thought that came out of nowhere. Like we, I had no idea that he, like they were even friends. Uh, did that surprise you at all? How? Yeah, they didn't really develop their friendship. Um, which, yeah, so it did surprise me. But I, at the same time, I was kind of fine with it. Like, oh, we haven't had a whole lot of time. Like, sure. Um, but they probably could have touched on that more first, um, mm-hmm. so that we weren't surprised when he was like, "Oh my gosh, that was my friend." Yeah, but I, I liked the ending result. How it turned Mac into like this, like. He was like just really determined then to like hunt this thing down and kill it at like yeah. all costs. Yeah, he said like he was talking to himself and he's like, When he comes back I'm gonna cut your name into him, man. Right. It's <laughs> just like, man, he really cared about his friend. Yeah, like damn. <laughs> I had no idea. Was Mac not the sweatiest guy you've ever seen on screen? Oh. <laughs> yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was warm out there. <laughs> and uh he apparently had so like a common writing tip for creating strong or memorable characters is to give them some sort of tick or habit and he mm-hmm. apparently like shaves when he gets nervous oh i i mean he was only doing that once though right <laughs> yeah <laughs> only <laughs> once but i guess it's memorable it is it is i feel like that that image really stuck with it. i remember that like him shaving there like just on dry skin with yeah the, well it like, wasn't dry 
all that oh, sweat. Oh, yeah, you're right. One <laughs> habit enables the other there. The sweating enables the impromptu shaving. Oh, got it. I forgot that. That works as like a good lubricant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I thought the creature and the design were awesome. The design of the creature and its gear. It yep. was a little like slow and typical for me, but once the action started going in earnest and, and the hunt was on, I was really pretty entrenched in the movie from that point forward. Yeah, what, it like took maybe 30, 40 minutes before you get your first uh, predator kill? Yeah, maybe about that time. Yeah, it is It is a slow build up and like, yeah, you're just seeing that heat vision scene here and there and there's like this other storyline going on. So it, it does take a while to get to it, but it's it's interesting how like that how they switch gears so quickly and it becomes like the survivalist story suddenly. Yeah, um, I'd be really interested to watch this again, knowing it's a satire, and see how it would make me appreciate some other aspects of the movie. Me too. I, I you know I'm 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 out. I don't know. I don't know if I entirely believe. Like I feel like it's someone being smart, like thirty years later, saying like, "Oh, we were just trolling this genre and." This is all a satire versus like they were really into it back then. They thought this was like a good 80s film. You, you really believe uh, they're going for satire here? Um, I I think I do. Yeah. I mean, there were literally like 10 or 15 identical explosions with characters <laughs> flying through the air with like the very stereotypical. Whoa! Yeah. Like Wilhelm yeah. scream type stuff. And then if you look at that and then the scene where they're just totally emptying their guns into the woods and then look at Die Hard the next year from the same director. Die Hard is a badass action movie, but it's subtle compared to a lot of others. Like Bruce Willis isn't this muscle-bound Superman, and a lot of what he does is just wits and practicality, and uh, it's badass, but it's not like these other movies. There's not like one-liners and uh, over-the-top action. It's way more subtle. In Die Hard? Yeah. Okay, I thought Die Hard was kind of, uh, I you know, because now that you're mentioning Die Hard and this guy did The Last Action Hero, which like, I feel like is the most obvious type of satire of an action film. Right. Uh, I, I kind of like, I'm starting to agree that it, this is satire, but I do think Die Hard maybe was, had like elements like, you know, he had his catchphrase. Um, it is like one dude taking down this whole uh, group of people, like these, these like Europeans who are there, uh, who are like dressed really nicely. Uh, in, in a building. So you, you don't think uh, that was on par with this and the level of satire? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that one kind of, like, wasn't necessarily a satire, but it was taking some of those common action tropes and turning it into, like, a little bit something more. Oh, yeah, um, more smarter, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would suggest you read that article, that William Bibiani article, because he talks about that. Okay. And he talks okay. about how a satire, like, in order to make a satire, you've got to make a movie that fits the tropes of the movie you're trying to make a commentary on. Like mm. you've got to make that movie, but also have the commentary within that movie. So he was like, I see. scream is a satire, but scary movie isn't. Cause it's just, that's a comedy mo- movie making fun of a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. But scream see. is a horror movie making fun of horror movies. And this is an action movie making fun of action movies. It's not got a comedy. It. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I believe it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe that wasn't Tiernan's uh, motivation through and through, but it, this dude made a pretty convincing case in this article. Sure. 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, Sign me up. Yeah. Negative reviews from the time cited things like a bad script, derivative, paper-thin plot. <laughs> I could see that. I guess, but I don't know if this movie like needed like a really heavy plot or anything. I mean, it was pretty. No, not really. Fun. Yeah, and, and the plot was honestly complex enough for me. Like, right, you had that like whole moral compass stuff at the beginning. Like, they didn't even need to have that. It could have just been dudes being hunted by a predator. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, I like that they set it up with like a different backstory. And if it truly movie. is a satire, then the whole derivative criticism is out the window. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Purposefully derivative. Yeah. Um, did, did you get, oh, did you get, uh, Deliverance vibes on the, in the early part of this film? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe a little bit. Bunch of like wisecracking dudes heading into nature. Yeah. Thinking like they're on like some easy, you know, thing that they're going to do and just get out of there. Uh, and then suddenly being like, oh shit, we're like stuck in something that we can't get out of. Uh, right. right. Yeah, I don't know. Overconfident in their abilities. Right. Exactly. 
exactly. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I th- thought there was some overlap there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so speaking of negative reviews, one positive review came from Roger Ebert, who said, Predator moves at a breakneck pace. It has strong and simple characterizations. It has good location photography and terrific special effects, and it supplies what it claims to supply, an effective action movie. Mm-hmm. I think he hit it on the head with that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Though, uh, did he say anything about horror at all? He didn't, no. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those films that probably when it came out, too, I, I, I don't know if it was like considered a horror like it, you know, back then, but looking back, like, you know, you and I can kind of, uh, and a lot of people can kind of see like how it ties to horror. Um, do, do you think uh, that was like the intent here? I don't think people perceived it as horror at the time. I think they perceived it yeah. as an action movie. Isn't that interesting how like so many years later you'd look back and you, you could draw the parallels to horror? Yeah, it is. You know what else is interesting too? Like if it really is a satire and making fun of like the big dumb macho man action movies, all my friends were really into this movie even though I had never <laughs> seen it. I knew they loved it for yeah. the reason of like big badass muscular dudes with guns totally and yeah. robocop is another one like that that's apparently a uh, a satire on violence but oh all my friends loved it because it was like violent <laughs> i mean yeah like like think of us we're like you know like I'd, uh, probably under 10 when we're watching this stuff and, and we're just eating it up and we, we don't realize that it's like making fun of a, a genre right so right i've never and, uh, seen robocop either Oh, man. <laughs> I tried to correct it as an adult and watch like the first 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, this is more violent than I was in the mood for. Oh. I'm going to yeah, watch it Yeah, that one's later. gory and violent. Yeah. yeah. Which makes sense now that I know it's a satire. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wonder how much heat you're going to get for this one. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> We're going to have to do a RoboCop episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got a lot like, of 80s I, holes. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Uh, okay, man. Well, let's see. Zero to five severed limbs performing an action, even though they're no longer <laughs> attached to the body. <laughs> uh, I think I'd give it four uh, limbs no longer attached to the body, but performing an action. Uh, just because uh, everything we mentioned, I feel like it's a good popcorn movie. Um, and the, the gore and the effects and the way the Predator looks, just such an iconic look that I feel like has lasted through the years like great special effects uh on on the predator and set up a great character and franchise and then uh yeah the the mental play between the two main characters and how like watching it now it just feels like so much like a slasher going down in the woods uh i, I think this film just gets better for me so yeah four out of five how about you that's where i'm at too four out of five and i think it could even get higher on on another rewatch i'm excited to watch it again with with the satire lens yeah yeah Nice. Yeah, yeah. With the satire lens and just knowing exactly what it is and being able to sit back and enjoy and observe more. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Yep. Cool, man. Anything else? No, no. I'm glad I I got to see uh, watch this one with you uh, and, and get this one off your list. Yeah. Glad you liked it. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for rewatching it with me. I feel better having seen it. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to watch it again. That was, that was fun. Nice. All right, everybody, that has been our discussion on Predator. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That really helps uh, other people find our show. It makes us feel good, and it helps us get to our goal of 200 reviews or ratings on Apple Podcasts by the end of the year. Uh, you can connect with us at horrormovieclub.com. Click the social links drop-down, and you will find links to our Twitter and Facebook pages where we announce what we're going to cover next week. There's also a link in that social links drop down for our Discord server where you can come hang out with us and other listeners and movie fans that we're always talking about horror movies or just shooting the shit every day. Uh, so come on on there and start chatting with people. Our logo is done by Amy Mae Popart. You can check her out at Etsy.com by searching Amy Mae Popart, all one word. And while you're there, look for our coaster set in her shop. Um, and if you type in the discount code movie club all caps you'll get like 20 percent off it's a five set of coasters one includes our logo and four are pop art pop art versions of some of our favorite horror movie characters let's see we've got a patreon uh, patreon.com slash horror movie club we've been slacking but there's probably 10 or so bonus episodes out there if you want to pay a buck to support the show and get some bonus content you can do that 
And until next time, if you're in the jungle and an unknown, unseen creature is hunting you, get to the chopper. <laughs> or, or dig a hole. Or forget. dig a hole. <laughs> and if get you dig deep job. enough, you'll just find Ashman standing there already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you found me. Right, got any food? Yeah.